What up, what up, good people? This is Geek Nerd Tech. Today we have cryptocurrency mining. Elon Musk is making news and Black Panther is breaking records. Let's dig in. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives, Geek Nerd Tech. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Welcome boy. to Black Hollywood Live. This is Geek Nerd Tech, the show where we break down technology and geek and nerd culture from a black and brown perspective. I'm Akili Shine, and I welcome you all to the show. Man, and that is such a groove, man. Common, Nag Shamp on one of my favorite songs off one of my favorite albums like Water for Chocolate. Yeah, feel that. Woo! So we got a lot to cover today. I'm riding solo. My main man, Joe, is out. But uh, we have a lot of great things to cover today, and uh, we're going to just get right into it. So I know there's been a whole lot of conversation and a lot of traction with cryptocurrency. It seems like that is the buzzword of 2018. But hey, I got to tell you, there's a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't know. And one of the things is that uh, one of the big cryptocurrency companies called Bifinex and their company Tether is actually being uh, investigated, subpoenaed for fraud. And so this company um, claims that Tether, Tether the company, it claims that all of its coins are backed by the U.S. dollar and held in reserve um, based on 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 the currency, and there's been no evidence to you know confirm that this is true, and this is how they're marketing you know the platform for people to buy these bitcoins, and so it's a little misleading because hey, there's no proof that it's actually backed by the dollar. So the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, is has subpoenaed this company and is saying that nah, like you can't be telling people this type of stuff if it's not true. And so their current market capitalization is $2.2 billion, so they have a lot of people investing into this, this cryptocurrency, but it's based on maybe something that is not factual. And so it's interesting because a lot of people who are trying to get into cryptocurrency you know, want to invest their money but may not have all the correct information. And so you invest your money in the wrong, in the wrong company, and hey, your money gets you know, essentially stolen or gets I mean, it could go anywhere. And so what they want to do is be able to regulate this type of stuff so that you at least have some type of protections so that your money isn't just easily, you know, it doesn't easily disappear. And so false advertising is not a good thing. Um, But yeah, the whole cryptocurrency uh, topic is just really amazing. Like I'm starting to actually dip in it to myself. Um, And one of the things that I'm actually been studying is the whole uh, cryptocurrency mining and that actually speaks to our next topic, where Samsung is actually doing some crazy stuff. So I don't know if you guys know out there, but Samsung is known for making you know chips, um, they're most known for the semiconductor business, right? So they've essentially passed Intel as the world's biggest chip maker. So they make all the, the, the processors that we have in our phones and we have in our, in, our, in our computers. And so what they're doing now, which is I think is extremely interesting, is they're starting to get into cryptocurrency mining. And so it's pretty technical, but these processors that we use in our, in our phones and our computers are actually multi-purpose processors, meaning that 
you're able to do multiple things on your device. Like if you wanted to listen to music, you want to, you know, browse the internet and you wanted to, you know, type up a document, you could do that all at the same time, theoretically. So, but with cryptocurrency mining, you want to put all that computational power that your computer has into doing one singular task. And so what Samsung is developing is what is called the ASIC. It's the application specific integrated circuit where the processor actually is designed to only do one single computational task. So like I said, all that processing power, instead of it being dispersed in multiple directions so that you could do multiple things, now it's streamlining all that processing power to do one thing. And as you know, with cryptocurrency and, and mining, that you, you it requires a lot of um, computational power to be able to um, solve the, 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 the problems that are inherent into the Bitcoin transactions. And so what these chips do help help you with your, with your computation to be able to do it more seamlessly and to be, do it more safely because computers can die and all that information can, can go with it. So you want, you want to be able to have a computer that has enough power, um, processing power to be able to handle such mathematical um, computations that are required for Bitcoin transactions. So Samsung is that company that is like, hey, we are going to lead this. We're, we, we are already the number one in, in processors and semiconductors. We're going to be the number one as it relates to this singular processor. So I think this is pretty interesting because, I mean, I believe cryptocurrency is the future. Um, I believe that, you know, in the next five to 10 years, like the world currencies are, are going to shrink and there's going to be, you know, probably like four to five currencies. And so the cryptocurrency, I think, is going to overtake a lot of the nations, currencies that that have really no value. And so it's interesting to see like these big companies like Samsung kind of digging in right now and early to be to provide that technological support and foundation for what you know, the world is, is, is slowly adop- adopting. So I think that is super, super fresh. But enough about cryptocurrency. Um, let's get into, uh, actually, one, one last story. Facebook um, is actually saying that they're going to ban all ads, all ads that are for cryptocurrency. And the reason why they're doing this is because they are classified as decept- deceptive marketeers. And it kind of speaks to the first um, story that we covered. Like, hey, you're you're promoting, you know, these stabilized currencies that really aren't stable. And so, if if this is what's being um, advertised in front of the Facebook audience, and it's misleading, or it's inaccurate, or it or it 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 could cause problems. Facebook doesn't want to be aligned with that. So, yes, Facebook wants people to learn about new products and services, but they don't want them to be fearful of being scammed or being deceived. And so, what they're saying just until they understand the whole cryptocurrency world, they're not going to allow any of these companies to essentially promote themselves on the platform. And so, they have said that they'll revisit the policy. But right now, like, it's closed door. Like, they're not allowing any of these companies to do any type of promotion or anything. So I think that's pretty interesting. And I think Facebook has done that because they've learned, obviously, from this last election, that they have to be very careful with uh, the, ad- the advertisement game because there's so many, so many fake news stories and there's so many companies that are, like, literally, you know, creating mythologies around their product that, you know, is not – accurate not truthful and so i kind of applaud that but um I, I wonder i wonder if that rule or that law is going to change um anytime soon 
But hey, switching gears, but still in the Facebook universe, um, activists are saying that Facebook should shut down Messenger Kids. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Messenger Kids, but it is it is essentially a Messenger app that is designed for children from the ages of 6 to 12. And so what Facebook has done is they have they have uh, unified or they have polled, they have done their due diligence in terms of research of getting information from development experts, health advocacy groups, educators, and parents on how... Um, they can essentially create this platform where kids can communicate and learn. But activists are saying that this is very harmful to children and teens, and it messes up their, their development, um, giving kids at this, this young age access to um, a messaging device where um, they don't really necessarily understand what's appropriate or what's inappropriate. They don't understand the concepts of privacy. And it's like, as, they should, as they're developing cognitively, like they're learning all these things at such a young age, it could literally mess them up socially and psychologically. And so the activists are saying that Facebook should go away with it because it's not helpful um, to kids' development. Um, but so far, uh, the, the Messenger Kids app has gotten 45,000 downloads, and they have about 20,000 daily users. So, I mean, if you look at the, the platform as a whole, you know, Facebook, you know, billions of users and the messenger kids only has 45,000 downloads. I mean, I think it's a, it's a small drop in the bucket, but I get it from an advocacy perspective that we want to protect our children. We want to look out for them. We want to speak for them. And if there is something that is, you know, destructive to their development, um, detrimental to their growth, then yeah, we should have more insight on, on what they're engaged in. And so I, I think that a lot of that comes from the home and parenting, which you allow your, your kids to engage with. But also, I think a lot of it is holding the companies that have such control and agency kind of over our lives because they're integrated in, in our, in our kind of like cultural makeup, making sure that they're res- making responsible moves for us and our children. So I get it. Um, and Facebook, obviously, is saying, hey, no, there's nothing wrong with this. We've, we, we've done our due diligence and we've looked at looked at it from you know a, a historical perspective and we've talked to psychologists and we've talked to people that are in this space that this is actually a, a great device and platform for kids to communicate and learn things so you kind of have this this small war going on between those that think it's destructive and facebook who thinks it's productive can, can i add something sure yeah, sure I, I think that's actually very interesting and i think it's the really the way how you use it right and, and like um and the amount of exposure and the duration and i think that just goes with the, the training and rearing all these kids of the next generation like how much education do you want them to have access that's to, right but also limiting their resource because I mean, we've we see nowadays Adults are always having their kids with iPhones and yeah. iPads, and how is that not already stunting their social skills and growing, and how to you know it, obtain information and just build those social skills of how to actually properly communicate with people? Right. I think it's in, it's in the same way for this is a platform for their children to get education, but how do you put limitations on it when you're saying it's stunting their growth? Exactly. I, I hear it. I hear it. I mean, I I kind of see that in my own home and like being a parent and raising my son. Like, I feel like he came pre-programmed with like a technological understanding. It's like, bro, like you are too young to be playing with my computer and my phone, but he always figures out a way to get to it. 
But I'm like, nah, I gotta, I gotta manage this. I have to monitor this, bro. Like, you can't, can't be on my phone and and looking at this right now. I want you to be reading some books and experiencing nature outside and like, you know, learning how to have a conversation, you know, with us. Like, versus being kind of like zombied out because you're you're so connected to this phone. And so, I, I mean, I agree with that, and I feel like it does start in the home. It does start with parenting, and it does start with. I mean, even if it's a Facebook Messenger kids app or if it's just like time that we allow our kids to even hold the phone, no no matter what the app is, you know, so I'm totally with you on that. Right. I think it's within moderation. It can be used properly. That's right. I feel it. Um, Well, yeah. So switching gears a little bit to uh, Apple. And I I think we covered this on the show about a month ago. when we were discussing like, hey, like you get the new iPhone or you, you you make the update on your old iPhone and all of a sudden like everything slowed down. Like you're like, what the heck? Like, my iPhone is not even two years old. And why is it, you know, acting so slow? So we covered the story of Apple saying, hey, yeah, actually we do uh, slow down your phone because it's a processor issue. And because of the battery, you know, we, the battery isn't powerful enough to you know, run the, the newest operating system. So when you put the new operating system onto your phone, it's going to be slower. So Apple, you know, apologized for that, and they offered up, a, you know, an, a $29 battery replacement. But they are getting a lot, a lot, a lot of flack from, uh, I think they're being sued by France. And now there's a new investigation that um, the, the actually the United States Department of Justice is doing. And it's saying that Apple has violated the securities laws with its software updates and it's and because it's it's it slowed down users iPhones like they're saying that hey there might be a lawsuit coming now from you know the, from the from the United States and so i think this is interesting because like I, like i just mentioned france um has a lawsuit against apple i believe italy does as well and now the us government is investigating it and saying that hey you might have to pay for this like this is not cool like you essentially, you know, cheated people. And you it's again another another example of a company misleading people. Um and man, I th- I think this is kind of like a huge hit for Apple. And I think I mean, we discuss this all the time in terms of, you know, the the post Jobs era of Apple is much different. And just in terms of the rollout, the products, like the bugs, like you you know it's not the same Apple and I feel like man, like I mean, of course Apple's always experienced lawsuits and people trying to, you know, sue them and come for them. But, man, I feel like it's one thing after the other. And, like, this is a huge thing that you have multiple countries that, you know, that are saying, like, nah, bro, like, Apple, you got to pay up. So we'll see what happens with this. But uh, I don't know how many of you iPhone loyalists out there, what you think about this or feel about this, if you even care um, but I do because if I'm about to spend a rack thousand dollars for an iPhone, man, I want that bad boy to work more than just a year. So, and I don't want the company that is supposed to be known for you know excellence and known for giving me the best product to be having these technological issues. So that's that on that case closed. We'll, we'll definitely return to the story to see actually what happens. But um, yeah, Apple get your stuff together. One thing that they are doing that I think is pretty cool. 
um, is that they are they have released the uh, the new iOS update eleven point three, and it's giving users access to the personal health records. I think this is fantastic. So this is like the polar opposite of what I just said. This is what makes Apple dope. So you're able with this new update, you're able to track your personal health records. And you you enter you know your fingerprint you know, or the face detection or you put in your your password and you're able to literally see you know all the health information. So if it's from four different com- four, four different companies, like if you have four if whatever the history whatever your health history is, it, it pulls all the information of your life and puts it into the app. And so you're able to see you know your allergies, whatever conditions or whatever immunizations that you've gotten, your lab results, medications that you might be on, any procedures that you had, uh, all in one place. And I think that is very useful. Um, and man, like that, it's, it's going to help, I think, in a general sense, it's going to help us, you know, want to be more healthy because you're able to have more uh, information about what your health is. You're able to track it much better. And oftentimes, like, you don't really have that information in front of you. It's not really accessible. Like, and to be able to have it now, like, in an app where you can, like, literally reference it at any time, I think it's going to, it could potentially make you want to live a healthier lifestyle or make better decisions because, like, hey, if you have a condition or if, if your blood work ain't looking too hot, hey, you can, you can see, you can see that. And it's, and it's updated every time you go to the doctor. And I think that's pretty fresh. And this is, this is, what what Apple is actually good at doing in terms of making you know its customers live a better day through whatever new software application that they develop, and so I think this is one of them that you know I actually applaud. Um, and then the last note about this is that you're able to have this this fluid conversation between you as the patient and um, you as your health you know care provider so the caregiver and the patient they're able to have now more of a fluid conversation being that hey you go to the doctor you know all the all the records are are you know up updated and uploaded and now you have them you know almost instantaneously and so hey instead of having to log in in the browser or wait for that letter or call in like you got it on your app so applause to apple on this one i think that's brilliant Especially because, you know, that could be very useful in emergency cases. Yep. And, uh, you know, when, say, you do have an accident, you do have to go to the ER, and they're asking you all these questions, but you don't remember everything right away. That's a good point. just look at it, and you can see, oh, you've had this type of medicine in your system. We can't use that. Or you have an allergic reaction to this. Right. We can't use this type of medicine. Yeah. It's actually pretty brilliant. Yeah. I love it. So, hey, again, a, a kudos and applause to Apple on that. Um, I think that is it was a, a natural progression, um, and I think that's a, a good thing to add to the, the cadre of things that you know Apple is good at. But I will tell you uh, something that is, is super interesting to me and a man who is super interesting to me, and his name is Elon Musk. Um, I mean, and we all know what what he you know has brought to market in terms of Solar City, in terms of Tesla, um, in terms of you know SpaceX. But what he is saying, this is pretty cool too. Like he's arguing, you know, as the the you know company founder of Tesla and CEO, he's arguing this like, hey, I want to make Tesla the most valuable company in the world, and I'm going to do it within one decade. And I'm going to make a bet: if I don't do this in one within one decade, I'm not going to get paid one dollar. So essentially, it's literally a bet saying that that Elon Musk is saying that he has to achieve twelve revenue and profit goals 
essentially growing Tesla's market value from $59 billion to $650 billion in 10 years. If he doesn't do it, he doesn't receive anything. So that means that Tesla has to grow in value about 90%, which is, I think, very doable. And especially with, you know, what, what he's been able to do thus far and just his trajectory and just, you know, where the world is going in terms of our environmental consciousness and our, you know, our, our lessened dependency on fossil fuels and, and using other energy sources for, you know, multiple things, transportation being one of them. I feel like this is a, this is a bet that I would take. And so he, um, by law, because it's a California company, by law, he has to um, at least have a minimum wage. So um, I think the state minimum wage is is $10.50. And so all he's been taking is about $37,000 annually. Um, And I think... I think it's going to bump up like another ten grand for um, from last. I think it bumped up another ten grand from last year. So it's about forty forty thousand dollars and some change. But he says he doesn't cash it. He just keeps it in the Tesla bank account somewhere. And I think it's a great leadership strategy because because he's saying that hey, if the company is successful, then I'll be successful. And as the company head, as the leader, I'm not going to take a salary. I'm not going to take any. I'm not going to get any of the perks that a lot of CEOs. You know, in in other in other uh, areas of of commerce, would get. I am betting all of our collective talent, our brain trust, to make this company number one. And so, I have to lead by example and to prove it to my employees, to improve it to my colleagues. Like I'm in it. I'm in it. So if you guys are successful, then I'm successful. And so again, no salary, no cash bonuses, no equity. He has to, you know, raise the value of Tesla. By eighty percent in ten years, and if he does, hey, he's he, he and all his employees are going to be fucking rich. They're going to be super wealthy, and so I love the fact that he that he uh, is using this as kind of like a, a, a PR story. Um, but I mean, a lot of CEOs in Silicon Valley don't take a salary. Um, I don't think I don't think that part is necessarily like like news. But the fact that he's saying that he's going to bring Tesla to be one of the number one companies in the world in ten years. I think that that is a huge statement, and to be able to stand by that is super dope. So Tesla has all sorts of stuff, you know, in their next phase of development. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard about the solar roof. So obviously, the Tesla will be able to have a roof that generates solar energy, so that not only does it have electric energy, but it also has you know sun energy, solar energy. So, and that's going to help obviously with the battery storage, and who knows what that would do in terms of how you know the vehicle operates. But, um, yeah, they're trying to also, you know, make the, the car more autonomous and be able to, you know, make your car make money for yourself. So because of the autonomous driving, when you're not using your car, you can turn your car into a business so that the car is being used to make money while you're at home sleeping or you're at work. So the car, is just, it just isn't taking up parking space or just taking up space in general. It's actually being used to help facilitate the fluidity of transportation so all these things elon you know is is trying to figure out he's trying to configure within the next 10 years so that tesla literally is the dominating uh company in the transportation space i'm a fan of elon so i applaud him i think this is dope what do you think marissa 
I think that's amazing. It just shows like how confident he is. Yeah, right. <laughs> started, and that's actually a very attainable goal for him. Because yeah. to grow anywhere from eighty to ninety percent in the next ten, even fifteen years, that's, right? Like that's essentially ten percent a year. That's actually very attainable right. at the rate that he's going and all the um, different types of fields that he's working in the space and solar um, it's it's a very smart plan for him and for it just sure. shows that like he's not into the money essentially he's just into the creative process and revolutionizing technology that's right how you know business is um, i think it's brilliant yeah i love that go ahead that was i dope. like him too yeah that was dope all right, well, we're about to wrap it up. I have one last story, and I saved it for last because it is my favorite, and it is Black Panther. It is finally here. We are a couple weeks away. Um, and, yeah, we're talking about Ryan Cooler, my boy, um, the director of Black Panther. He's also done Creed and Fruitville Station, starring Chadwick Boseman. Um, Black Panther is, like, the, the, hot, the hot topic right now in terms of, in terms of uh, movies. And so... It's getting a lot of a lot of buzz from a lot of people. I know they just had the premiere um, this week, um, but people are saying that it's one of the best uh, superhero movies they've seen. Um, it made people feel, you know, empowered. Um, it made them feel represented. Um, just just in terms of like, it's not the the same cliche um, and the same like uh, the techniques they use to tell you know these type of stories. Like it, they said, it's full of stunning visuals, iconic performances. Um, it has a lot of substance to it. It has all the cultural nuances. People are just like really, really gung ho. People are even saying it's it's the new Star Wars. It's it's better than Star Wars, rather. Um, but yeah, from performance to cinematography to just um, like I said, the cultural nuances. I think that the Ryan Coogler and the whole squad is like really, really knocked this one out the park. And I mean, I mean, you got to think too. Like it's already breaking records it's the fastest pre-selling superhero movie of all time like it's it's outsold you know batman versus superman uh, the the guardians of the galaxies like it's all all the reviews are are in the upper 90 percent um like hey this i mean I, ho- I hope this movie i hope this movie like it is all that people are saying it is i'm super juiced and excited like we've been talking on this show about it for a long time um, I can't wait to see it. Um, I encourage everyone out there to see it. Like, but yeah, this this is it. Like, this is what I've been saying. I think it would be the first black um, directed, black acted um, movie that will make a billion dollars. And I think that is you know history you know in itself. Being that today is February first, the you know the first day of Black History Month. Like, I mean, I have this movie in this month and just what it represents to you know. African 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 people, black people, I think that it is phenomenal for us to witness this and have this as a prototype for our youngsters. We talk about superheroes and, and you know, strong imagery and things to look up to. Like this is it. And so I can't wait to support, you know, this film and support Ryan as a filmmaker. And so I, again I encourage everyone out there to go and check it out. And yeah, quick show today, but um I think that's all we got, Marissa. And I think we're going to close it down. But I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to your boy. Uh, We'll be back next week um, to cover even more dope stories. And I can't wait to wrap with y'all again. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Akili Shine, A-K-I-L-I-S-H-I-N-E. And um, I appreciate all you guys tuning in. I'll see you next week. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, 
we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram me at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.